Welcome to the Fitfiliate Podcast, where we talk about behavior and behavior-based conversations as they relate to CrossFit affiliate owners and coaches. My name's Lisa Hetherington. I'm your co-host, sitting alongside Chuck and Tony, the founders of Fitfiliate. Today's episode is one from our archives. We recorded a little while ago where Tony and I sat down and had a chat to talk through what the Fitfiliate model is. I know that we've had a lot of episodes where we've talked about our why and how we focus on coaching rather than giving solutions. In this episode, we dig into that a little bit more to give you an insight to what a client's journey might look like um, through the Fitfiliate model and why it's so different and why it's so powerful. Remember, if you like our content, please give us a review, share our stuff, uh, subscribe. Absolutely subscribe so you don't miss out on an episode. Whether you're listening to this or watching this on the YouTube, we appreciate your support. Let's get on with today's episode. And welcome back to another episode of the Fitfiliate podcast. And today I've got Tony with me. How are you, sir? I'm great. I'm lonely. It's just me. Yeah, no Chuck today. He's holidaying. Yeah, I was supposed to be, but you know, travel <laughs> restrictions. So here we are. Here we are. We we get to have a chat. Um, this week I thought it was would be really great to because I know we've talked a lot about um, what we do at Fitfiliate or what you do and and your why and all of that sort of stuff. But we haven't really covered what a client's journey like is through Fitfiliate because your model is very different to um, other companies that will just come in and tell you what you need to do and what you should do. Um, so I thought that would be something worth covering today is as a client journey through through the Fitfiliate process. Well, as we all know, I have no say in this, so sure, Lisa, just ask away. I'll answer the questions <laughs> as they as they come up. Excellent, excellent. That's that's why I like it. It'll change in about an hour when I have my call with you. Mm-hmm. Um, uh-huh. I'll get um, you back. So, Don't worry. Sorry, I'll get you back. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It swings and roundabouts. So, for clients or potential clients that are affiliate owners that are sitting out there, they read your socials, they decide they want to reach out. What's the, what's, what happens next for them? What's the process to, you know, decide if they're a good fit? Um, man, well, that's, thank you for just swinging right for the fence on that one. I think in order to answer that question, we have to kind of step back a little bit and understand the struggle that we have internally as a company operating as, as a, a, a service or an industry of one. Um, one of the hardest things, and I think one of the valuable parts of having this be the episode of the podcast is getting people to understand what it is that we do. Um, we obviously exist as a part of a much larger information service ecosystem, right? So like we, we essentially exist unilaterally to lots of people who will give you advice and information and, um, not that there's really anything inherently wrong with those things. We were very clear from the very beginning that, the most important thing for us operationally was that we were going to stand on the ground of coaching, not information. Um, mm-hmm. And so much of the, the importance of that process or, or, or of that, that service rather is making sure that that is identified and communicated and then solved for in the initial relationship consultation in that, Um, we will not help everybody. We won't even attempt to, um, much of the initial process is about us screening to ensure that you are in fact, a good fit for what we offer. 
Um, and really the, the central sort of thing that we're looking for is one, um, are you looking to be coached or are you looking for answers to the test? Um, respectfully, while we have lots of information and we could very easily give that to you, it's not something that we're willing to do only because we don't believe in its efficacy. So uh, that is a central sort of framework is that are you interested in somebody being by your side for the long haul to help you actually work on the problems and solve for those problems? Or are you just looking for somebody to tell you what to do and then leave you alone? In the event that you are the latter of the two, um, we will very proudly tell you that we can't help you. We'll give you some parting advice and who to go seek out um, and send you on your way. We don't want to necessarily turn our back on anybody. It's just not a good use of your time, energy, or money if we're going to do something very different with you. So much of our struggle as a company is identifying, solidifying, and creating that message and putting that out there that we are, in fact, different for these reasons, especially when... <laughs> The advice providers um, are very, very loud. Um, they are much louder than we are for very obvious reasons because they exist mostly in the, in the manipulations sort of conversation. And we very much exist in the inspiration conversation. And unfortunately, manipulations will always be louder than inspiration. Right? And so, I mean, 99.9% .9 of, of every market and every commodity is, is essentially based on manipulations. And I don't mean like pejorative sense like it's a malicious thing i mean like limited time offers and promotional conversations and you know rarity and all those fun things you know for us it's like this is what we are this is who we are this is why we do it welcome if you want um and this, so that's that's the bulk of the, the initial part of the conversation is how do we make sure we stay true to that message and get that out there and then how do we not get distracted by all the frustrations in the industry um, yeah so to answer your question, you know, is it applies to the, the client that comes in or the prospect that comes in, what we're looking for is not so much information from them, but to be very clear on what we intend to provide to them. Um, and what we intend to provide is solutions, not answers. And we will do that by coaching you, not telling you. Essentially, that means that we get to know you, what your limitations are, what works well, what doesn't work well, what you are actually struggling with. And then we seek to remove those limitations one by one from the person rather than come in and be like, here, do this. So the client journey is largely dictated by the person or the individual or the business. Does that answer the question? No. Yeah, that's that's a really good answer. So as a, as a as a company, why did you decide that that was, you know, the way that you wanted to go rather than the easy down the chute of just let's tell everyone everything we know and it'll solve the problems. For everybody listening to this, Lisa loves to pigeonhole me into talking <laughs> shit. Um, she knows that it is my natural inclination anyways. <laughs> um, so it's not very difficult for her to get me incensed enough to be like, fuck those guys. Um, mainly in that the reason why we created the company the way that it is, is that <clears throat> advice doesn't work just can't, right? I mean, the nature of advice, and we've said this enough times in the podcast, is it assumes that the receiver of said advice is incapable of solving their own problems. If that was the case, then what I should be doing ethically is telling you to close your business, right? If you need advice because you're incapable of solving your own problem, you are kind of, for lack of a better word, fucked, 
right? Mm. Um, but that's not the case. Rarely ever have I come across, and now we've done hundreds of hours with hundreds of affiliate owners, have I come across an affiliate owner who is truly incapable of solving their own problem? What they lack is clarity and inspiration, right? They lack the, the awareness of an alternative pursuit and an alternative option, an alternative path. And so they attempt to follow someone else's path, right? And like, you're not, you're not going to free sell the Dawn Wall. It's just not going to work, yeah. right? If somebody else did it. That's fantastic. But telling you that that's the path to your success is like telling you to just jump off the top of it. It's just not going to work. So when we decided to create the affiliate, it was that we wanted to protect the affiliate model. We loved it. We believe in it. And, and it's, it, it needs to be maintained in the way that it was designed. So the biggest risk that we have always believed is present in the affiliate model is this beck and call from many of the affiliate owners for standardization unknowingly, right? Like they just want help. So they just want the answers that just, just tell me what to do. Give me more in exchange for what I pay for, for my, mm. my affiliate fee. And I don't think they understand really what they're asking for. And so that was one of the first things that we wanted to make sure is that like, we weren't a part of that problem, meaning we weren't going to come in and know that that was the problem, but then willingly tell you what to do, right? Because yeah. if we did that, the big risk of standardization is that, sure, I could help you to a certain degree, but it'll be short-term gains, long-term losses, because I'm not actually teaching you how to solve your own problems or think differently. I'm just teaching you to do X, Y, and Z. Um, mm. And so while that would be beneficial to our bottom line, it'd be fuck of a lot easier to scale for as a company. Um, it wouldn't be necessarily doing the right thing, which is helping affiliate owners turn into business owners and become high-end executors so that they can become entrepreneurs of any sort. Like Internally, the focus of Fitfiliate is to not necessarily turn you into good affiliate owners. It's actually to turn you into good entrepreneurs, to get you to think creatively, to get you to think constructively, divergently, and to believe that there is an alternative solution to every single problem. There's not a convergent solution to every single problem problem and that's the in nature of advice is to believe that there's one right answer mm. so when we built it that was the the primary objective was that we didn't need to tell them what to do we just need to remind them why they needed to do it yeah which is a really powerful thing is is to learn to think critically and not just go blind along with what everybody else is doing because that's pretty much a race to the bottom at some point well it's certainly in the, not in the yeah. Um, you know, I think that in my opinion, and, and granted, this is obviously just my opinion. I think that one of the most dismal existences in life is to accept life for the way that it was, as opposed to what it could be. Um, mm. And so for me, very much my entire life has been centered around challenging status quo, you know, pushing, you know, social norms, questioning quite literally everything you know, mostly due to necessity as a kid who grew up poor, I didn't really have a choice otherwise, but yeah, that taught me at a very early age that like there's multiple ways to get to the same result, right? Like mm. a lot of people believe that, you know, you're going to buy a house. Like, oh, I got to go. This is my route. I go to the bank and then I take all the abuse that they dole out. He says like, he's preach at this point, <laughs> right? Um, you know, all the abuse they dole out. And if I'm lucky, they will agree to give me money that I'm going to willingly pay back way more of, right? Like, that even that notion has failed. There's plenty of other ways. Mm. If you're invested in the idea and you need to, you know, you'll find a different solution. But I think that that's really where ultimately it comes down to is that everybody's been in a situation where their back has been against the wall and they found a way to figure it out. 
there's power in that. And mm -hmm. if you can do that with your back against the wall, why can't you do it when it's not against the wall? And that for me, when I leave the world and I hope that I leave it better than I found it, that's really the thing I'm, I intend to leave in my wake is that I have an army of people who I've changed the way they think about everything. Through the work with the gymnastics course, it was the same thing. Everybody signed up, coming to that course, because uh, they want to learn a bar muscle up or fucking handstand push up. And then as a point of pride, I was always very proud of the fact that I knew that everybody that left that seminar with me for the weekend and Chuck too, he's the same way. We knew that we broke all their beliefs. We, we delivered a product to them that they had no idea what they were walking into, right? They, they intended to come in looking for a bunch of what's. And then all we did was restore their, re, you know, their focus on why's and they understand that gymnastics is not about bar muscles, ring muscle. It's about your ability to give people their life back. And that was the reason why the gymnastics course was so profound. And that's the reason that, that Fitphilia was built the way that it is, is because it kind of just emulates the same process. Taking yeah. standardization and then turning it upside down. Challenge everything. Mm. Fantastic. So you've come through, you've you've got through your initial um, discussion and consultation. You know, you what happens next in the journey for the client once you accept their project and and they're on board with okay, let's do this. So step one is is well, I guess step point five is they have to admit and understand that they have a problem and they have to take the time and energy to, to, to believe that there's an alternative solution. So they book their call. That consult call with us is really just an attempt for us to get to know the, the gym owner, the business owner. And we do work outside of the affiliate industry too. But um, in the point of that is to, the joke has always been, do we want to drink beers with you? Right? Like that's really what it comes down to because a lot of the work is going to be heavy. It's going to be, and it's going to be intimate. It's going to be very personal. There's going to be lots of, you know, limiting beliefs and personal beliefs that are going to be challenged and worked on. So it's very important that you're not just a customer per se, like we're going to have to get along, not only us, but like the entire team that comes behind us. So we view ourselves very much in that first call as the gatekeepers. We believe that it's not our obligation to necessarily sell our services to people, but it's our obligation to ensure that anybody who makes it past that first consult is in support of the, the ideal client journey. Um, mm -hmm. So after that consult, assume we want to drink beers with you and you do seem like our people and you're like, I just want help. I don't care about answers. Um, you move into what we call the diagnostic phase. This is the phase where it starts to get to work. Now we've moved past, you know, relationship building in, things of that nature. And we've got into the nuts and the bolts of the business. Uh, in the diagnostic phase, not unlike in your foundations phase in a CrossFit gym, rather than teach you anything in the, in the diagnostic phase, though, we dig into what you're actually doing. So it's where we watch you move. Um, we see how your business operates, what's working, what's not working, what the vision is. Do you have one? Did you lose sight of it? Um, you know, what type of things are you currently engaged in? Where are you trying to get to? What your struggles are? What your big wins are? Um, and then that's really the bulk of the focus of the diagnostic phase. Um, and from there, I mean, everybody at that point <clears throat> ideally moves into the next phase of the project. But occasionally we have gone through the diagnostic phase and just been able to be like, Lisa, listen, this all looks great. We can't help you. And really that, that framework is that we won't take on a client if we can't do more good for them than 
it's going to cost them. And that's really what it comes down to. Um, and so one of those things is that like, is there enough room for improvement? Is there enough meat on the bone, so to speak, to, to make a true impact? And if there's not, the first rule of the company is and will always be do no harm. So we won't take on a client unless we can help them. And so the diagnostic process is how we ensure that that is the case. If we just move straight into getting to work, oh man, we have had some nightmares. But the diagnostic process is where we solve for that because that's where we ensure that you are the ideal client. You are the target avatar. We can do the work. We can get the job done. And if we're confident with that, then you're given a project proposal and then we move forward. Yep. And that and that is very different to um, a lot of other, you know, uh, advice services, I guess, where it's just we'll take your money and we'll give you this and it's not really about what they can do for you. It's how much you can pay them and, you know, how long, you know, you can keep going through that process. Well, scales just... are shit <laughs> when it comes down to you, right? I mean, anybody could essentially do it. The problem with doing it is that you expose yourself, you know, to the realization that as many customers that come in could essentially be customers that you have to turn away. Mm. Um, and if, you know, if we just willingly engage in the information business, which was, you know, arbitrage, so to speak, but you in, in agreement for the money you give me, I'm going to give you back set advice. That's way easier to scale for, right? Because I can just essentially deliver to your inbox and be on my way. Um, I can maintain some degree of continuing advice dissemination, like, you know, regularly through, you know, an online course or you know, regular group calls, but like, that's still very different if the, if the, if the nature of the interaction is information exchange, that's mm -hmm. not the same as coaching exchange, which is, as you know, as a client for us, it's never about here, Lisa, do this. It's more about why is this a struggle for you? Right. Yeah. How do we remove the struggle? How do we remove the limitation? How do we remove that barrier from, from Lisa? And the answer is rarely ever give Lisa more things to do. Because if I do that, then at that point, you're just going to become distracted by the things that I've given you. And then you're not going to focus on the things that got you into this problem in the first place, which is you. Which, which, is a, which can be a confronting realization um, when you realize that you are probably the center of all problems. But, you know, a lot of, <laughs> a lot of uh, places will give you all the shiny bells and whistles and you spend your time building, you know, social content and structures and processes and that doesn't actually you're not actually doing anything or moving the needle forward sure so well, yeah go ahead yeah no you go no i got nothing i'm just following your lead here so the relationship that a client will then come in uh once the project's been developed and, and accepted and they're going to start working with a coach um What's the power in that relationship in, in the, the goal of that coach to build that with that client? Um, well, it's lonely in that seat, right? I think that the, the first big problem for affiliate owners is that they've got themselves in that chair um, and they're in that office and they're surrounded by hundreds of people and they probably have loving wives or husbands at home and all these people. And yet being surrounded by all those people, they've never felt so alone. Because right? like nobody can possibly understand what you're going through. 
you know, because objectively, once they've removed themselves emotionally from the conversation, everybody else is like, just shut it down or just do this. And so like, they don't understand what it's like to sit in that chair. Uh, they don't understand what it's like to sit at that desk. And that was one of the things that we were adamant about with the, with the creation of the model is that we just, we knew what it was like to be lonely. And so if we did nothing else, if there was no other value exchange that happened, we knew that just simply by giving you guys somebody you could count on and talk to and relate to, it would result in massive action. And mm -hmm. for the most part, it has. Um, just having that person in your corner to just bounce ideas off of, to to trust in and to confide in and to, to know that that person really just has your back and they're going to give you they're going to give you the best guidance they can. They're not just here to, to, to deliver the model that they were told to deliver. Mm. Right? Like it's hard to trust somebody when you know that the only thing they're going to tell you is the thing that they're supposed to tell you. Yep. And many people who pride themselves on being coached in this industry aren't uniquely qualified or adept at being able to individualize the solution to the client Whereas they would rather just deliver a standardized sort of solution, which is like, this is what you're supposed to be working on. Just focus on this. Mm. And sometimes that's better for people, but for the most part, we're coaches. Um, we've always been coaches and we'll always continue to be coaches. And so we're only going to, we're adamant that we're only going to build a coaching model, which is it's our job to change your behavior, mm. not necessarily what you want to do. And it, and it, <clears throat> speaks sometimes the model reminds me all this podcast in the fact that each call each week you're not going in saying okay this is week whatever this is what we're talking about it's really you do your weekly check-in with what's happened in your week and then you know things come out of that that you what you think you might want to work on usually it's something completely different and it takes you down a different path each each coaching call yeah so I mean, it's very individual the, the client journey is 100% dictated by the client. Um, you know, you could very well come in as a client and be like, guys, I'm thinking my dream for my affiliate is that I would like it to be an ice cream shop. Hmm. It's not my job to talk you out of that. It's my job to dig into why you think that's a good idea and why you want to do that. And then likely at the back end of it, you're going to realize, okay, ice cream shop, Jim, bad idea. Um, good thing I you know, didn't do that. Obviously, that's an extreme example, but there's lots of things like that. Like, I want to create a a, a a noon CrossFit light class. Okay, that's a fantastic idea. Why? Right. And once you dig past a lot of those things, it's not about just telling you what to do or what not to do. It's it's really just understanding why you want to do them to begin with, and then helping you understand that like that was a bad idea. Because what will come out of that is that the next time you get a bright idea, you're going to move yourself through that same framework, that same rubric, and be like. Well, before I thought this was a good idea and I avoided that, maybe I should do this same process with this one. And then you're like, yep, that turns out was another bad idea. Moving on. Um, and it's about giving you the tools to not need us anymore, but to simply just want to maintain the relationship. And so every client has their own relative journey based on where they want like to get to. I mean, but to be clear, from the moment that the relationship begins and an invitation is granted and you do move into the coaching role, if you move into the coaching role, uh, the clock starts. I mean, there is there is a sense of urgency with every single client journey in that the first 12 weeks are the most important because most of you guys are in a precarious situation, right? Like shit is upside down, things are broken, you're bleeding out, 
So we got to stop the bleeding. We got to stop it quick. So the first 12 weeks of every single client journey is to largely get the project complete, finish up the stuff, create the foundations, solidify your, you know, your, your, your cause, your why, why you're in business, remind you of that, fix your financial issues and hurdles and your limitations as it applies to that and your limiting beliefs, refine you organizationally and operationally. And then at that point, sky's the limit. But if we don't start there, we've just found that it's just impossible to get you past it. But there's also an obligation from us or with us that we know we need to help you. And so objectively, that gets done on every single client journey. But we always thought that you guys would stay for 12 to 14 weeks because that was the original intention. <laughs> um, and most of you have been here well past 12 to 14 months. So um, I don't know. I guess I suppose the reason the reason you all come in is for help with your affiliate. And I think the reason that you all stay is you understand the value and the power of having that person in your corner. Mm. And we're here for it. Uh, I think it's cool. It was never the intention of the, of the model. It's just the thing that it turned into. And I'm not going to be the one to ruin that. Yeah. And I think, you know, I said to you um, guys at the end of last year, it was, you know, one of the most important relationships in my life, you know, um, to have that and maintain that. So, you know, having that person who's going to say, yeah, that was a bad idea, but let's try and work on a different way of doing that or, you know, a different framework. I mean, and nothing you, probably would have prepared us for that. I think if, if I go back to that beginning, I have to cut you off, but like, just like in your gym, you have this, this predisposition, this idea of how things are going to go with every client. And then a handful of years later, you're like, you look up and you've been a big part of things that are so much larger than fitness, right? We, that's not about thrusters and burpees. Like you've been to, to, to weddings and you've been to like, you know, christening and all these things that you're just like, none of this was part of the idea in the beginning. It's just, it becomes as a result of it. And, you know, out of this model, we didn't really have any intention of it being that big, but, you know, through the coaching model, through doing, you know, the heavy stuff, the uncomfortable stuff, nothing would have prepared us for the, the emotional things that we were able to be a part of. Uh, the growth in general, not just the bottom line of the business, but the growth of the person was something that was just so truly underestimated when we started this that like it quickly became the thing as opposed to just the byproduct that was like, this is what matters because it's exactly what you guys need. Yep. And it's, and it's um, powerful when you start to get past some of your stuff and in a, you know, a safe controlled environment where you're not just venting and someone saying, yeah, cool. Okay. But today we're going to talk about this. You're not layering on all the things at once for everybody. Is that correct yeah, to say of your gym, right? And if, you know, if your coaches, and this happens more often than we obviously would love to see, but if you're so fixated on what you do, you can't pay attention to why you do it. You're robbing your coaches, your people, you know, your, your humans that trust you from one of the greatest parts of being a fitness coach. Like if, if my job was to show up each week and just make sure that you were getting this objective done, this, these things, right? if my job was to show up and be like, here, Lisa, this is your, your to-do list for the week, go do this. Um, you would, you would definitely improve as a business, but what we would be removing from there is that personal growth, that personal connection, that, that emotional thing that really honestly for us as coaches, 
it's a lot of work to sit on calls all day long, hmm. right? I mean, from essentially 1030 in the morning, most days till about 536 o'clock at night, I'm on Zoom calls with gym owners, right? And then so is the whole team of other coaches. And then if I'm not on those, I'm on internal calls. And so I don't know how I would do this or how anybody would do it if I didn't get the validation and the value from being a part of those emotional exchanges where like I get to watch Lisa grow as a person, not so much just as a business owner. Um, and it's the same thing that happens in your gym. Imagine if you just showed up each day and you only cared about burpees and thrusters because that's what you're supposed to care about. I only hear, I'm only here for the nine foundational movements and you weren't, a, you weren't open to and aware of what those nine foundational movements do for a person. Mm. If you're just so focused on points of performance, you'd forget why they're so important to begin with. I think that's the cool part of coaching. I think it's a cool part of, of gym ownership. I think it's a cool part of affiliates in general is that, and I'll tell people all the time, the greatest thing that happens in an affiliate is often the thing that is the most often not done, which is conversation. Very few affiliates, affiliate owners and coaches and employees, et cetera, ever take the time to sit down and talk to their clients, both from the very beginning or, you know, regularly throughout their journey. And you're just missing such a cool opportunity to connect with people and see just how meaningful and impactful the work is that you do. It's not that it's not that hard to see why people get very confused and think that they're, like, they're just here for qualifying for the games and executing workouts at high intensity. Mm. But that can be the, you know, when you're, when you're feeling a bit lost and overwhelmed, that can be the safe thing to return to. It's like, I know how to do that well. I know what I'm doing in that space rather than looking behind the curtain about the stuff that might be holding you back. And it's having those conversations where you guys aren't afraid to ask the hard questions and sit there and, and create that space for, you know, the client to find their own answer and, you know, open that conversation rather than just, you know, just, okay, today the formula is this. Yeah. Um, you know, we're going to teach you how to generate leads today, but, you know, yeah, I get you feeling all these other things, but let's talk about leads because that's right. what you want to talk about. Uh, well, humans in general are masterful at, at creating defenses and distractions, right? And so, you know, nobody's above this, not myself, even as a person who moves from other people. Like, it's so easy to seek security and distractions. And, you know, it's, it's just human nature in general because, frankly, working on things that are big and heavy and, and, and emotional, they're energy intensive, right? So in terms of efficiency, it's not a good use of your time in terms of your body, right? So everybody's like... Let's just distract ourselves with other stuff. But the, the very nature of manipulations, things like what, they're just so loud. It's so much easier to focus on what than whys. For one, your brain can't even really necessarily process whys because your neocortex doesn't know what to do with it. But the, the very nature of life in general day to day is what. It's all the ones, right? It's got to pay the bills. I got to – I have to clean the house. I got to – run the class. I got to go to work. Like those things are all what, but they're all in pursuit of why, which is like the grand overreaching goal here, which is a quality life while lived, right? Like I don't, cleaning my house has nothing to do with cleaning my house, but the cleaner my house is, the better my life is objectively, right? Mm. Being able to find your shit is surely going to make your life better. So I don't clean my house. It's about cleaning my house, but it's very easy to get distracted about the fact that I got to clean my house. Right? And like this happens in a gym very regularly with 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 classes. I mean, people just mm. they tend to be very fixated on 
on what and distracted by it. And so the big hurdle there for them is to step back from what they're doing to see why they're doing it. And like, you know, as, as a CrossFit coach goes, it's very clear, level one, level two, level three. Why? Uh, I supposed to, right? Like yeah. they don't, rare, they rarely know why they're moving there. Right? Like, and objectively, the reason that they're trying to move to level one, level two, level three is because like, it's not working at level one, level two. So naturally, if I get to two, that should solve my problems or three. Will it? It depends, right? I mean, what's your problem? If, if the reason you're taking your level three is because you want to change and help as many people as possible, that's a good step in the right direction. But are you incapable of helping the people you currently are working with? I'm guessing the answer to that is no. So the actual problem is that you don't have enough people to help. So you need to get more people. You're not going to learn that in your L3. Mm. No. So maybe the solution isn't the solution to the problem. And that's car, that's like part of the process. Not that we talk about their L3. Our goal is to push every staff member to L3, but to get them to understand why they're taking that L3. The point of taking your L3 is to, be able to deliver a higher level of service that solves for everybody's why individually and uniquely so that you can be a more valuable contributor in the market space. Additionally, what that solves for is retention and service-based considerations, which many affiliates struggle with. So moving your coaches to that directive is important. But additionally, what many other affiliates struggle with is they just don't have enough people. Well, having an entire L3 staff is not going to solve for that problem until you understand how to create a better front-end offer, how to service and sell a better front-end offer, how to you know do those things. And so for us, it's really figuring out what your actual problem is as opposed to assuming what that problem is and then solving for it. Do you feel that that's one of the biggest shifts that um, or the, the, the biggest realisation or the hardest thing, I guess, that an affiliate owner has to wrap their head around when they start this journey is focusing more on the why rather than the, than the what's? Uh, it's not an affiliate problem. It's, it's a business problem in general, right? I mean, yep. Simon Sinek's entire left, life's work, left work, his entire life's work is essentially helping people understand this. Right? And like I said, that's not unique to, to affiliate owners. I mean, this is everybody from Apple on down. But when it goes well and you do get it right, it protects you from just so much noise, so many distractions, and it lets you just keep your eye on the ball, let you pass everything through a better filter, let you make better decisions, makes you take faster action because you're moving towards the things that actually matter. This is better in every single way. It doesn't mean, however, that it's easy. It's something that takes work every single day. You've got to always be reminding yourself, clarifying that vision, understanding what's important to you. Otherwise, you're just going to get distracted in the day-to-day -day stuff. Like, it doesn't take much energy to all of a sudden find yourself a handful of years into affiliate ownership hyper fixating on the programming on mm. standard operating procedures on you know the lesson plan on coaches on schedules on things those things are all what's they're not wise and there's a lot of them to focus on so yep. if you're not careful you'll be very distracted by them yep and uh just getting buried in the in the busy rather than the actual valuable stuff that's going to help move you forward. Yeah. I mean, really what's and why is aside, the, the primary objective of the company is to get you to your goal, not necessarily take you to your goal, 
but get you to remember that goal and refine and define it. And so a big chunk of the first part of the process with every single client is it's helping them dream again, right? Like not in like the whimsical sense, but getting to understand that like, this is why I dumped my entire life savings into this matte back, beautiful gym that I have here. And I'm like, and then they lose sight of the goal because after enough time, they're just like, there's no dream anymore. It's not about trying to get something done. It's about like, I'm just trying to not go out of business. And so for us, it's really getting people back to the dream because if you don't get your focus put back on the horizon, you're going to be focused on the day-to-day. And while the day-to-day certainly needs to be solved for, no doubt about it, like there's definitely gators on the floor and somebody's got to get rid of them. But solving for today's problems doesn't ensure an arrival in tomorrow's focus. But if we keep the eyes on the horizon and we're moving towards the goal, there's almost a guarantee that today gets solved for and that's the real big risk of, of the affiliate owner is that they just get lost in the day-to-day and then they lose sight of where they're trying to get to. And so they look up a few years from now and they realize they've just gone in circles. So for us, really, what we do is just remind them that there is a there's a future date, there's a future horizon, there's a trajectory. And it's our goal to remove as many barriers and obstacles that present themselves as possible from that gym owner so they can move there as quickly as possible. Because inevitably, you're going to realize that like, I have no idea how to get here or what to do or, or, or what I should be doing next. And so that's what we work on next. And that's why every single call is different. Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> and they are incredibly different. Um, do you find, or, you know, a rough percentage, I guess, of affiliate owners that come in and think that their main problem is one thing, but it turns out to be, you know, once you peel back the layers, it's something very different. That's all of them. Yeah. Uh, you know, leads is the new distraction of the affiliate world, right? Like everybody's yeah. after leads. We need more yeah. leads. I mean, assuredly, it seems like a logical solution, right? Like it's more leads means more people and more people means more money. If I just had some more money, I could pay off all these bills and get out of this hole. Um, but maybe you don't need more leads at all. Maybe the problem isn't the number of leads. Maybe. Maybe you're getting seven to 10 leads per month, which is actually really pretty average for a CrossFit affiliate. Like the problem is that you don't know how to convert them. And if you convert them at all, you're probably putting them into like a free trial or some no sweat intro or something like that. And then they're not respectfully turning into a profitable relationship from the beginning. So maybe you don't need leads. Maybe you just need a different intake process, right? Or maybe that's not even your problem altogether because like you got more than enough people, you're just losing them all at the back end. People just aren't very uniquely aware of what their actual problems are. They're always aware of the distraction. And so the very nature of, of our process of identify, discuss, and solve is, is Lisa brings me a problem. I say, that sounds like a great problem. Why is that a problem for you? And once you dig and you dig and you dig, you realize that 99% of the problems that are brought to you are bullshit. And they're really not intentionally bullshit. It's just that we're so good at distracting ourselves and, and protecting ourselves that we can't even actually see the problems for what they are. We, we have a client now who he's great and respectfully, he just falls off the wagon every once in a while. But the reason for that is that it's very easy to get caught up in the day-to-day and then you lose sight of the future and just simply reminding that same client of the future, of the goal that they created, not that we created, recenters the whole conversation and they're like, got it, right? And he can run right back into the fire. Mm. that's the value of it all yep and it it is when you start to realize that um you know there's more to what you're trying to do and and 
your why behind doing it rather than just, I just need more people in the door. And yeah. I think one of your favourite sayings, I think I, I almost need it tattooed on my forehead is, you know, is it a problem or are you making it one? Which we're all very good at as affiliate owners is creating a problem so we feel like we can solve something. Um, yeah, man, isn't that the, I mean, listen, as somebody who says it to you guys, right, I do it too, right? We love to create windmill giants, right? I mean, it, it gives us something to do. It lets us feel productive, right? Like, look at what I did today. And objectively, your coach comes along and they're like, that's amazing, Lisa. I'm proud of you for doing that. Um, why did you do that? Well, because that windmill was a giant and needed to be slayed. Are you sure it wasn't just a windmill? but I killed it. Right. Like, and we just, we do it all the time. And honestly, I'm very guilty of it. I do it all the time with things because you get bored. Humans are bored. Right. And so there's nothing quite feels like solving a problem. Like that just feels good. So it's amazing how many problems people will actually create unknowingly just to be able to solve them, just to be able to be like, Look what I did today. Like, you fucked with a paper jam for two hours. You could have just walked away from it. Didn't even concern you. And you're like, but I solved the shit out of that paper jam. I'm like, mm, nope. So yeah, I mean, it is all about. It goes back to that core philosophy of showing people alternative options, right? Like, it's not so much about picking on you for for creating a problem that doesn't necessarily need to exist. It's it's taking a problem that you think exists and helping you see the alternative solutions, the alternative paths. And most often that usually results in realizing that it's not actually a problem or a path at all. It's just simply something that you've created. But it all comes back to, even if it is a problem, we don't necessarily know. But by simply asking if it's a problem or you're creating one, what we do is open the door to the idea that there's alternative solutions right from the beginning. And then it makes it much easier to solve for the problem. Mm. Perfect. Well, that seems like a good note to wrap up this little insight into the client journey with Fitfiliate. Um, thanks for your time this morning or today, and uh, we'll catch you on the next one when Chuck's back from his holiday. I don't even know if he'll be back next one. I'm pretty sure it's just going to be us again. But okay, we'll I'll see you. Anyways, all right. Thank you, my friend, for listening to the Fitfiliate podcast. If you would be interested in hopping on a free call with us to just kind of chat about what you think your problems are and what you think the gap is between where you're at and where you want to go, we can see if maybe we can help you along that journey, figure out if we're all a good fit to do some sweet things together. So click the link, set up a consult. Let's help you identify some problems that we can mutually solve.